You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. How were you affected by the 2008 financial meltdown? Maybe you weren't invested in real estate, so you weren't affected. Maybe you weren't in the stock market, so you didn't feel that. Or maybe you got started buying real estate right after the crash and took advantage of record low home prices due to all those foreclosures. Or maybe you got hit hard like millions of Americans, handing the keys to your property back to the bank. Whatever it was, it's so important that we don't forget what happened just 10 years ago. I'm Kathy Fetke and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Our guest today was in mortgage lending during the financial crisis. She'd helped her family invest in some properties in her own name. And when they couldn't pay during the crisis, she was hit really hard. And just like me, she learned some tough lessons. But after the crisis, she became a realtor because she knew how to do short sales and became really good at that. And during that time, she was helping her relatives, Craig and Arlene Turner, invest in a duplex in Stockton. And they told her to listen to The Real Wealth Show. So she did. And now she's been investing her realtor income through RWN for the past four years and has learned a lot of lessons, but considers it all a great blessing. So let's find out the ups and downs of her journey. So Joanne, welcome to The Real Well Show. Thank you, Kathy. It's a pleasure and honorable to be here. Oh, likewise. So you are a real estate broker, and you've been one for about 10 years? Yes, yes. Loving this real estate passionately. Oh, yeah. And it's been a good 10-year run for sure. And then before that, you were in mortgage lending during those crazy years. <laughs> when? <laughs> How long were your mortgage broker? And we can both chuckle because uh, I know you're, you've been in the industry as well. So I started back in 1990 as a data input. And then from there, I, you know, with hard work, determination, and a lot of uh, promotions, I learned many of the uh, lending positions, such as being a senior underwriter and a funder, a doctor, we're the ones that, you know, make you have the money so that you can buy or refinance this home, get your cash out or, you know, get a lower rate, rate and term, mm-hmm. or be able to, to purchase this house. Yeah. So I, I love lending also, and I'm glad that I have both you know, of the industry now under my belt, because as a, as a realtor, I'm able to assist my purchase, you know, the, the client so much better. And if they can't get approved with one lender, I'll know, you know, whether it's their DTI, debt to income ratio, or not enough cash to close, or maybe a, a lender loan officer didn't see something, you know, within their whole uh, uh, loan criteria. And you can help with that? Yes. I can bring them over to another lender who I have under my belt that can do that. It's important to understand that uh, just because one lender can't get it done does not mean it can't get done. I think that's one of the big things I learned that even, uh, you know, your local banks are probably the hardest place to get a loan from. You're better off going through a broker. Oh, yes, absolutely. Why is that? Well, I think it's the... Customary lenders like Chase, B of A, you know, you have to fit in their box, mm-hmm. right? They have this right. box of underwriting guidelines in which they have created and you have to, to meet their criteria. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, they're also a bank, so they get so many customers. 
Yeah. And I'd say, you know, their ratio is very small in comparison to the people who can actually afford to buy a home. And they don't really sell to the secondary market or they don't have like, um, I can't shop around for your, for your loan. So again, they have this, this box that you must fit in. Whereas a mortgage broker, they have to get approved with many uh, lenders. So they do, you know, you can do wholesaling and then at the same time they can retail. So they can shop your loan around based on your criteria and make you fit in, you know, maybe two or three of the lender's boxes. Right. There's a, a lot more options. So if you, if you're just the perfect client, you know, maybe you've got a, you've had the same job at the same place and you, you're not very complicated, then yeah, sure. Go to, go to your local bank. But you know, most of us, especially if you're self-employed or you have complicated tax returns, like we do, <laughs> you know, with so many LLCs. Yeah. yeah. Just, oh man, we, we are, platinum over at B of A because we do so many syndications and so many millions of dollars go through those accounts that I walk in and they know me. They definitely know me. What, what account are you opening up now? Uh, but even so, it's been, I thought, oh, well, I'll just go in and get a loan. That'll be easy. But it's not. We have too many LLCs. But anyway, so you started, when did you start buying real estate as an investment? It was weird because I, I think I was also, I've known about real estate. And I've seen my colleagues and people that I come in contact with buy real estate and they hold them for rent, you know, uh, cash flow. And it never really, gosh, it never dawned on me when the market was really hot, right? When, when anybody was giving a loan, as long as you had a pulse, you could get a loan. Mm-hmm. I didn't use it to my benefit Rather, I helped my family buy their homes and put it in my name, which was mm. such a, a big mistake. I mean, it, I think it was, <laughs> it, was, it was nice to do, you know, thinking that my sisters, because I, I come from a family of seven girls. So I felt that I was at a successful, you know, moment in my life and, and that um, now I can help them out and that they would just pay the mortgage and everything would be great. But, and I had at the time. But man, when, when the market crashed, they couldn't pay anymore. And so I was SOL pretty much, you know, and I was the one burdened by helping them out because then they had lost their jobs. And I go, well, what are you going to do for house? They're like, well, we need to go find a cheaper rent. We are not able to afford this. And I'm, and you know, anyway, lesson learned. I uh, vowed never to do that again not in that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so through, you know, just, just trying to see how I can do better in, in after the crash, cause I was, I was hit pretty hard. And then it was weird because it 2008 at nine was when I decided to become a full-time realtor. <laughs> and that was kind of a, it, it was a weird, but yeah, some but, would say that was a, uh, a that was bad timing. But uh, I would say, <laughs> yeah, you know, if, if you understand what just happened, you could help people buy properties for, uh, you know, half or a, a, even a quarter of what they had been selling for just a few years prior. Yes. And even sell their homes, because I knew the short sale process. Oh, I knew exactly yeah. what to do. And, and there was so many 
uh, sellers that just wanted to do a short sale. And I knew what documentation to collect. I knew how to present it to the lenders, you know, to the asset manager so that we could get approved instead of waiting for you. I've heard, you know, nightmares of people not being able to know the process. And I was able to do these, you know, within one to three months of getting them approved once I had a solid buyer. So it was really, it felt like um, just really familiar to me. And and I I don't know, but that that was where I had stepped in. And one month I had like 13 short sale listings that were just, oh you know, in flow with one another. You, you know, I, I would like to take a moment to walk down memory lane because <laughs> there really, there are so many of our listeners who are new to real estate and they, they maybe just weren't paying attention back then, didn't understand some of these things. But it sounds like we had similar paths where we were in the mortgage world where quite honestly, it was it was pretty easy business at the time. I mean, for me, all I I walked in to a brand new business in about 2005, and uh, I thought, wow, this is already a saturated industry. But I discovered that if you could just serve your clients, you know, if you could just answer their phone call and like meet with them and you know try to figure, you know help them get a loan, you could you could make a lot of money doing that. But at what point did you realize something was very wrong? Yeah. So I was, um, and I had heard, so it was a lot of, you know, people just talking and even the intelligent ones in my office that, that had, you know, had already, um, a wealth of accumulated properties and playing in the, and investing in the stock market. They're like, this, this is going to crash. And then I came home and told my partner that uh, we should sell because we were at the top. And I said, you know, we'll cash out with this much money and we'll be set even even if I lose all of these other ones that I had purchased for my sisters. And if it did that, uh, we could rent at a very low price and then purchase a property in cash. So I, I kind of knew that this was coming in 2005. But my partner who was who just hated moving and didn't want to move. And, and that was really the, the reason why I listened, you know, maybe not the wrong advice, but because I could have said, Hey, we're going to do it anyway. Right. But mm-hmm. um, I listened and we, we stayed and we were in the eye of the storm, but I had, I had known about it. Yeah. It's so important. It's so important to listen to that tiny little voice inside that's giving you direction, right? And so often, and maybe especially as women, but I think men do it too, uh, maybe make somebody else's opinion more important than our own, rather than just really trusting that that voice that's trying to guide you. Because I knew it too. And I, I walked into this business, you know, if you, I don't know if you know the story, but I was, uh, you know, my husband had been told he had melanoma, yeah. and that it had spread, and he had six months to live. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So I brought on sponsors to the show and and uh, one of the sponsors was a mortgage broker and, and our stories of what people were doing with their mortgages really went well. And all of a sudden, you know, the phones are ringing with people who wanted to do mortgages. So he said, hey, go get your license and, and you can take all these clients. So I did. I had my license within a month. But I remember, you know, people coming in and you know, these these different mortgage lenders explaining their loan programs. And I would just come home and tell my husband, Rich, like, does this make sense? You know, does 
Does it make sense that I can give somebody a $5 million loan and I don't need any proof that they can pay it back or that they have any assets at all? You know, it's stated. They can just write anything they want. And, you know, it didn't take much to, you know, it just took common sense to know something wasn't right. But millions of people were ignoring their common sense. That's the thing that's amazing, isn't it? It was because, you know, it was there. There was, here's where the egregiousness comes into play. You know, we were just blindsided by how much our bank accounts were growing, Mm -hmm. you know, exponentially month by month. And even our equity, it's like, wow, this is ridiculous. And then, you know, they give 125% CLTV because they knew that in the coming months, it it would reach that 125% LTV. CLTV is combined. Explain what that is. Yeah. So your first mortgage, you could easily borrow it for, uh, you know, a hundred percent. And this was back in, you know, 2004, five. And the second mortgage, you can get an equity line for uh, 25% of it. And uh, you you (laughs) you know, buy your furniture to, you know, do more upgrades on the house, even though, you know, it's already been upgraded, but banks were, that's how easily you could get money. I literally walked into uh, Citibank to, I think, just make a deposit. And somehow they pulled up, you know, where I lived and said, oh, you know, we can give you an equity line. And said, oh, cool, you know, tell me about it. I was a mortgage broker, so I thought, you know, I could do my own. But they're like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they're like, we can give you 200000 today. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? Yeah. They're like, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just do it. <laughs> it's like the, the, what is it, the, the Jetta sign and drive, you yeah. know, just yeah. sign it and, and go, you know. Yeah. That's so it, it yeah, is but- amazing that, 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 what seems so obvious now, like why would anyone lend 125% of the value of a property? It was done every day as if that's normal. So again, for me, big lesson learned. If it doesn't make sense, it's probably not right. It probably doesn't make sense, right? Like trust your gut on that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It really didn't make any sense. But it was also hard for you to say no to all those people because then you wouldn't have any business. Right, because somebody yeah. else next door down the street was going to do their loan for you because mm-hmm. everybody was doing them. That's how simple it was. But I am so glad that the crash occurred and that I was at the bottom of this pile. And you know, I I I lesson learned. You know, mm-hmm. I I have to take that on as a as a blessing in disguise. Oh my goodness, what a, as, what an attitude! Why do you say that? Oh, uh, because, uh, you know, being down in, in the dirt of, of not knowing where you were going to go or how you were going to pay your, your mortgage. Cause we were all laid off. We were all, um, there was for, for six months, you couldn't make your mortgage payment. So they were going to take it away. And then your credit is probably down to 400, if not, yeah. if not less from even, you know, your sisters uh, having walked away from their home. And so you're in despair, you're in distress, you know, you're, you're having sleepless nights. Um, and you write out this emotion and then you say, okay, enough is enough. Let's, <laughs> let's get on, let's put on our big girl pants and, and, and know that this happened, but let's rise above it and let's figure out how to do that. 
And so that was the drive. I'm pretty self-motivating. I'm a pretty self-motivating individual. So if I can't, um, I I will try, you know, figure it out several different ways. You know, if I can't make it work this way, let's try another way. Let's let's do that. So (laughs) I was helping my relatives purchase a duplex uh, and they were going to buy homes in Stockton because everything was so cheap at the time. You could buy a duplex for like 125000 and it, you know, get cash flow on it. And this was Craig and Arlene Turner. Oh, and I think you know them uh, very them. well. They've been yes, on the show. Yes. Yes. And they're, they're children now. It's, uh, it's awesome. So one day, you know, while I was helping him do these transactions, he was like, there's got to be an easier way. And then somehow someone turned him on to your podcast. And then he started listening and he goes, Joanne, why don't you listen to this, to this woman? And, uh, <laughs> you know, sure enough, I did. And I didn't make a move or, you know, do any of that yet. So one day I was, I don't know where, how it clicked, but then in 2015, I think beginning of it. So I do my year end goals and I say, you know, November, December, I start writing my goals and what I need to do. And then come January. I I start to act upon the ones that I can, you know, do quick. And because I had, I had established my credit back up and I had um, money in the bank, I decided to invest in real estate out of state. And you were the go-to guru, you know, that, that he had turned me to. Cause I Uh think he had already purchased a couple with you Mm -hmm. or maybe even more than that. But I said, well, how's it working for you, Craig? And he's like, oh, it's great. You know, I just, I receive a check every month and, and I sleep and I don't have to worry about these homes. He said, I've never even seen them. And so I was like, <laughs> what? You know? So. Who does that? And, go, well, <laughs> who does that? and now his go, kids well, are doing it. And it's, yeah, it's, they're, yes. it's very sweet. Yeah. So it's just been uh, pretty amazing. So I've now been purchasing with, you through your affiliate for the past uh, four years and it's not a walk in the park as you continue to mention you know it is a risk but the rewards are just as if not greater than the risks so I purchased a couple in cash and then I was able to finance the rest in three different markets so I have the Ohio and then the Indianapolis at the time and then I purchased later in in Michigan and in having these investments for the past four years, it's another learning curve in life, right? Now you are participating in real estate in a different way. So I now take the money that I earned out of my real estate career and invest that in me, in my properties, you know, by, by purchasing these properties at cash flow. So your property manager is the heart of your business. Because you can buy these homes, you can you can buy them all day long. It's just maintaining them, hiring the right person, the right company, the right team to uh, to do this is so key to your portfolio to to a less headache, you know, investment portfolio. Right. Yeah. So, what would you look for now in a property manager that, with all you that you know, uh, you know, what are the main things you'd look for? So now, um, and and that's a a great question because I am now in contract 
I wanted to go to a different market to one of your other affiliates in Florida. Mm -hmm. So I'm in contract in Ocala to purchase a fourplex. And I signed up about a year and a half ago. So they went to your event and I met with and I told him I, you know, I wanted one. Of course, he sold out that day, but then he called me later and said, I have one that's available. And I said, great. I think you got mine. (laughs) I reserved (laughs) one and I didn't move fast enough. And he's like, someone else wants it. Anyway, that's fine. (laughs) So, and while I was during this time, because it's now new construction, right? So you have to wait a little while for them to, you know, to get the permits and all that to, to be able to start building. I was able to start vetting the property managers. I said, well, you know, it seems like you guys have, they have this one that I have to work with for at least a couple of years, but I was able to speak with them and, and be able to ask questions like, you know, what would you do? You know, just kind of ask them. Now I have these, you know, top five questions that I ask them in this scenarios that I didn't know before. And so I think it's important to talk to uh, the property manager before you died into purchasing the property, knowing that they are the heart of this of this system. Yeah. Yep. So that is everything. Yeah. And I love that property manager in Florida that he's just excellent. Runs it like awesome. a tight ship. Yeah. Great. So I guess it'll be like the one in Ohio, huh? Uh, or, <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope so. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, we do have 20 questions on our website, if you if you go to the resources page, the questions to ask a property management company. Even with that said, you know, it, it all comes down to people. And, you know, yeah. sometimes a property manager can have a great, great employee and that employee maybe leaves for some reason and, and uh, you're dealing with somebody else. So the, the key is making sure you stay on top of it. That That's kind of how I see it, because even a good property manager can go bad. And we saw that in Chicago. There was yeah. a group that was excellent until they weren't. And and there's no way to be able to vet that in advance. The only way is for you to stay on top of it, right? And to start noticing, wow, you know, this this isn't as turnkey as I thought. You know, what's going on here? And you have to set aside the reserves knowing that there will be repairs. There could be tenants that I think one time I had a brand new house I bought and they they painted the interior purple. Uh, so when they moved out a year later, we it took three coats of paint to paint over that, and they never told the landlord. And it's not like the landlord can go in all the time. All you can do is ask for that security deposit and have insurance, proper landlord policy on, on those properties, and just have your reserve set aside for things that most likely will happen. But I will say with the, with the Section 8, I mean, our new property manager in Chicago really knows how to manage that. And it can be very profitable, uh, you know, because that's money coming in from the government. But again, it all comes down to the systems and and the knowledge of that property manager. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that that's the one awesome thing about investing is that it's it's a constant, you know, just like real estate, uh, helping my clients, no two transactions will will ever be the same. You know, I'm going to have a different experience every time, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it be the clients or it be the house itself or it's, you know, just uh, whatever. There's always like this neat surprise (laughs) that you're going to go, oh, yeah, okay, what can I learn from this experience, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's exactly about, about landlording is that it's really 
it's passive, but you don't want to just do nothing about it. it you have mm-hmm. to be active in this passive investment. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's yours. You know, you're the responsibility party. You're the one that they're going to come calling when something needs to be repaired or, you know, something happened. But the dynamics of people at every four corners of this world, you know, be it they're your customers or they're your tenants are just so different, you know, and that's what's so fascinating about us human beings is that we're not ever going to be alike. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And it's such a very good attitude that you have. And I, I really want to emphasize that owning a rental portfolio, whether it's single family, two plexes, four plexes, multifamily, it is not passive unless it's passive, meaning that if you invest in a syndication and somebody else is managing the whole portfolio, that is passive. But if you are on title and you are managing your portfolio, it is not passive, even when people call it turnkey. All that turnkey means is that there's been a renovation done. That's it. It's still up to you to get that appraisal, get that inspection report, make sure that the renovations were done properly, make sure the property appraises, Make sure you've interviewed the property manager and that you like them. Again, just because they were fantastic over the last 10 years, it doesn't mean the next 10 years. They, they might be growing too quickly or like the case with Mac in Chicago. They hired too many people and they got over their skis. This is a common problem with small companies and property managers in general is they're taking in so much money. They have to know how to scale properly and know how to manage that money. So my dream and my goal, and I hope somebody can help me with this, that property managers never take all the money. They should only get their percentage, their 8%. All the rest should go into an escrow account. It should go into some kind of blockchain account where they can't touch it so that they only can work with the money that they're supposed to work with and not your whole thing. Because I've seen it over and over again where all of a sudden your rents are starting to come in late and they come in later because the property manager's kind of and using that money that's not theirs to run operations, and then they implode. So if anybody knows how to create that app, you just uh, reach out to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that would be be a fantastic one because I just learned something from you there. I didn't know that this is what they could be doing, you know, over leveraging themselves and Mm -hmm. taking from Peter to pay Paul. They do it all the time. I've seen it it probably seven or eight times. And in the last 10 years and, and they're, they start out good. It's not, they're, they're not trying to rip anybody off. They're trying to grow and do better. But uh, imagine if you were running a business and, you know, you took all the money, like you're, you're doing your loan business and you take all the money for some reason that's supposed to go to the bank. I mean, it's just people managing yeah. a business is hard. So I think every single day, property management companies are improving. And the ones that we have in our network they come with a track record. And, you know, and if we start to see problems, believe me, Real Wealth Network's going to hear about it. And we can call and try to find out what's going on and, and then warn people if, you know, we don't own these companies, but we can at least be the aggregator that can kind of warn people that, hey, something seems not right. And we can try to fix it and move people over to a different property manager if things aren't working. Well, any final advice to our members? Because, you know, I think the bottom line is, What you're saying is there are pros and cons, but overall, you have to be able to deal with it like you deal with any business that has its ups and downs. And in the Mm -hmm. end, it works out. So you said you're still hopeful this will be a retirement plan. 
Is that true still? Yes. Um, my goal, I have now uh, 10 doors and I've written my goals down. And in order for me to have a life of financial freedom and abundance, my goal is to have 50 doors. And in doing this, you know, I'd, I'd have the freedom that I so ultimately want, you know, and to come and go and give as I please. Because I cook for a, a shelter uh, once a month. So I put all of those in my circle of what I could do with this money. And I don't have any children of my own, but I'm an animal lover and I'm just a people lover and a family community that I would impart these funds in a hopefully loving and, and happy way instead of just trying to keep it, you know, for myself. And so to be able to do this, I think that 50 cash flowing doors would, would, would help with that. And there are, you know, lots of people out there that love to analyze things. And I think if I was more of, of the analyzer, I would be probably still be waiting in the sidelines, right? Like, because I hear all your podcasts, you know, you could invest in multiplexes, but here's the nightmare to that. Or you just invest in single family homes, but here's a nightmare with that. Or you can, you know, invest in apartment buildings and syndication, but here's the nightmare. So there's, there's risks in everything, you know, but I think knowing this fact, you should invest anyway. If this is your goal is to have some form of freedom, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, 50 doors. It could even be 10, you know, something more manageable that you, you could, you know, touch and feel and, and be able to handhold yourself. Great. But I think the reward in the future will be greater as we historically know real estate is it in terms of sustainability and, and the equity and the, that it's such a more of a tangible resource than a commodity than, you know, buying a stock paper, you know. Few people understand the power of leverage that you can walk into a bank. Of course, we don't promote, we don't recommend you walk into a bank to get a loan. <laughs> Definitely better to go to an experienced mortgage broker who specializes in investment property. But either way, a bank will lend you 80% of the asset value. You only have to put 20, maybe 25% down. And then your tenant pays that debt off for you. And the government helps too with all the tax benefits that you get for doing that. And you can accelerate the payoff of those loans by using the extra cash flow to put it towards paying down the loan or like you're doing, use that extra cash flow to acquire more. So I, you know, I just don't know any other investment that does that. And all the upside is yours. All the, the rental increases, all the appreciation and value that just comes with inflation alone is all yours to keep. So yeah, I don't know any other better way, but you have to understand it's a business. And like any business, sometimes you're going to hire the yeah. wrong person and there's going to be a cost to that. You're going to have to let them go. Sometimes you get sued and there's a cost to that. It's part of the cost of doing business. Not that, you know, at least in real estate, you could be protected from that with so much asset protection and insurance. But, you know, there is the cost of doing business and you have to know how how to grow that business and and deal with the ups and downs because in the end, uh, there's really nothing else I know of that gives you the freedom. Yeah. I mean, we've been in the industry for, I'd say, decades now, right? Between mm -hmm. you and I, and we've seen the upside and the downside. But yet, even during the downside, that's really when you want as much liquid 
now I know. <laughs> That's when you want liquid when the downside happens because then you can build your wealth even more. You know, as they say, you, you got to learn from the people who have done this in the past. And if you can find those people and learn from them, wow, more power to you in the end. Absolutely. Oh, well, thank you so much for being here on The Real Wealth Show. I really appreciate your insight. I get to see you at an upcoming event? Yes, definitely. I am um, looking forward to it again. And uh, I think you've just been so amazing. And I think what's awesome about your network and your affiliates is that there is a group. So you're not in this investing by yourself, especially if you're a newbie. There's actually a group that you can go to. I mean, you have a, an advisor that, you know, you tell them what your plans are. Even if you didn't have a plan, you know, well, I'd like to buy my first property. How can I get started? You know, you guys can show them a path and give them that. If you were trying to do this by yourself out of state, you'd have to do a lot more due diligence than with a group. Mm -hmm. So I think you help us a lot in that way, Kathy, where we, I just, I feel more comfortable and have confidence in the ability to be with a group versus by myself. Thank you so much. I, I love yeah. your perspective because at the end of the day, we don't own these companies. We don't control these companies. We are helping them grow and we're coaching them and we're doing masterminds and helping them share their best practices and best ideas and helping them come up with standards so that they're operating as close to each other as they can. And but they are their own companies and we're, we don't, we can't control them completely. And the investor can't either, but we can influence. And that, like you said, that does really help rather than being out there all on your own, trying to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for this. I, I do have one suggestion. So since we all, I think 99% of your investors in the Ohio could say that is the number one maybe all the affiliates that you have that come in should go train with her and see how her business is run. That's exactly what we're doing. That's exactly it. Yes, we're we're doing that. And she's helping and, and mentoring. And yeah, you got it. That's how we're raising the standards of these turnkey providers by Perfect. having them really create new standards that they all agree to and they hold each other accountable and they're training yes. each other. And, uh, you know, one might be great at property management, another might be great at renovation, another might be great at finding the best materials for rentals, some might be great at Section 8, and they, they all were kind of living in their own little silos, and now we bring them together. Oh, great. Yeah, so thank you <laughs> so much for being here and sharing your wisdom. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. You can listen to this and any past episodes at realwealthshow.com. And while you're at our website, you can get details on the top markets for investing in real estate today. That's realwealthshow.com.